Welcome, everybody. Let's talk real estate. Your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward. With our man right in the middle, it's Barry Saywitz. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul, and good morning to all of our viewers and our listeners out there. If it's Tuesday, we're talking real estate, and guess what? Today is Tuesday. I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and managing partner of Saywitz Properties, and uh, I'm glad to be back. We took a little summer hiatus and Barry did a little traveling and didn't wear a suit for a few days, and I'm now cleaned up and dressed up and ready to go again and excited about today's show. Before we get going, I do want to do a shout out. Uh, it is my mother's birthday, so happy birthday, mom. Love you. One year older, but looking younger every day. So I hope you enjoy your day, and I'll see you at dinner. With that said, I want to welcome our esteemed guest for today's show. We're going to continue our sort of uh, dive into uh, South Orange County and the cities involved in South Orange County and the history of South Orange County and how it goes. And, and today is another step in that process. And I want to welcome our guest, uh, Howard Hart, the mayor of San Juan Capistrano. Howard, welcome to the show. Thank you, and uh, happy birthday, Barry's mom. She will appreciate that. <laughs> so <laughs> she's been looking forward to it all year, I'm sure. Howard, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and doing this. We, we've had other mayors from other cities in South Orange County, and uh, San Juan Capistrano is one of my favorite cities in South Orange County. I love going down there, walking around the downtown, and going to the restaurants that are down there, and we have some property there as well. So very familiar with the city. I guess I wanted to start with maybe we rewind a little bit and just talk about your history because it is a little bit different than maybe some of the other folks that have had long histories in politics and, and city government. Yours goes back and, and your, I'm going to call it uh, first career, if you will, is really in the military. Yeah, well, first of all, I grew up here. I grew up in, well, next door in Dana Point. Actually, I met my wife, eventual wife at Dana Hills High School, but then uh, graduated from UC Irvine. And after that, ran off and joined the Navy for what I thought would be a brief stint and ended up being a 30-year career. I was a Navy intelligence officer. From day one, I absolutely loved the lifestyle, loved the mission. And was it your intent when you joined the Navy to focus on the intelligence or you got there and then said, hey, this seems like a cool thing to do? I went in as an intelligence officer. Actually, what I thought was a back door to becoming an FBI agent. I had talked to the FBI, and they were looking at accounting majors and lawyers. I was neither. So I went in thinking, well, they said, hey, you might want to try uh, try one of the service, uh, service branches. And by the way, intelligence is really cool. So I said, well, uh, let's give it a shot. From day one, I decided... This is what I wanted to pursue. And then you blink, and 30 years later, you wake up, and you're like, I've been doing this a long time. That's at least how I feel with real estate. At some point, you realize that the sailors you're leading were born after you were commissioned as an officer, and that's kind of a scary thought. Yeah, and then certainly with what you were doing, keeping up with the modern technology, which is constantly changing, uh, and you look back when you started and then where you are when you end up, and it's a different world uh, all the way around. And I'm guessing that being in the Navy and with what you did, it took you to a lot of different places. I did. I uh, had the opportunity to live overseas in London, in uh, Bahrain for a year. Of course, deployed all over the place on aircraft carriers and uh, large deck amphibs. 
it was a fantastic way to travel. The adventure was incredible. Got to see, spent a little time in, in uh, Afghanistan, not as a not as a full deployment, just traveling there. Went to places like Kyrgyzstan and uh, Australia, uh, Dubai, just uh, amazing out of the way places, South Africa. I lived in Hawaii. Just an amazing, uh, rich experience that I don't think I ever really would have had the opportunity to to enjoy if I if I hadn't pursued that life. And I think it helped me grow as a person. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you hit some of the hotbeds, right? I mean, literally, Bahrain and Afghanistan in the summer, I think, is a little toasty. And different, uh, different than certainly than Orange County. So you finish all these tours. You finish your career in the military, and then you decide to come back to Orange County and settle back in? Yeah, our last tour was in Washington, D.C., and we were kind of confronted with the idea. I could have retired there and uh, continued to do what I do wearing a suit, but then we probably would have never left Washington, D.C., and that would have been... A nightmare and so we you know our family was here laura's family uh, was involved in this uh, her father was involved with the city my brother was involved in san clemente community here this is where we grew up we wanted to come home this is where we love and so we came home here and uh, really didn't regret it from day one we got involved in the community uh, i joined the local rotary group almost right away the Rotary Club here in San Juan Capistrano is strong and really been a fantastic experience. So how did you make the decision or did it find you to get into politics with the city council and then ultimately now in the mayor position? Was it something that uh, somebody came to you and said, hey, you should do this? Or you said, hey, I, I want to make some changes. What was the epiphany there? Yeah, I had no no desire to ever get involved in politics, <laughs> quite honestly. I, I, when, I, when I retired from the Navy, this was the last thing on my mind. I... You know, this was six years ago when I when I retired, just as a time frame. So I we moved back home in, I guess, June of 2017. You know, kind of settled back in, and my father-in-law started taking me to the local coffee chat down there at Hennessy's Restaurant in, in San Juan Capistrano, and he was on the uh, Parks and Equestrian Commission. And uh, then I started going to the council meetings with him, and starting meeting started meeting people then i started looking at some of the decisions being made on the council and started making that fateful decision of you know i can do better than those folks and that's when you get into trouble <laughs> sure well and then and then certainly i mean you got involved in the city council 2020 when COVID hits right so i mean in addition to whatever political issues and back and forth there are with the city itself now you dump that on top of it and all the challenges with you know, trying to keep businesses open and people safe and everything else. How did that work? And what were the challenges that you had at the time, you know, from a city's perspective? I got on the planning commission in 20, gosh, 2019. By 2020, uh, uh, our local, uh, we're, we're districted here in San Juan Capistrano as far as our local election. And my local council member, uh, Brian Marriott, decided he was going to run for Congress and, and, and he wasn't going to run for council again. And so some people approached me, some of the council members approached me and said, why don't you run? So I did, and I think I announced in either late January or early February of 2020 that I was going to run. Of course, in March is when COVID hit. Right. And that was an interesting campaign, not the least of which due to COVID, because you couldn't really shake hands. We were leaving a lot of flyers on people's doorstep. 
It's very hard to communicate, period, right? I mean, let alone reach yeah. out to people and get a message across. Yeah, we did our meet and greets, but they were all outside. And, and so you had to kind of work around it. And, and so then, so you get on the council and then while COVID was going on and in full swing, was the city, like many other cities, I assume, you guys were shut down from an administrative standpoint and working remotely. And then you have challenges with, you know, trying to get permits done and have meetings and make decisions when you can't get everybody together. Well, by the time uh, I was on the council, we were meeting in person again. Oh, you were? Oh. Yeah, we were meeting in person again. This was in December of 2021. We were masked still for at least a few more months, but not much longer. San Juan Capistrano returned to normalcy far quicker than some others. I think the idea was to try to bring us back as quickly as possible. And did you guys do anything or have any programs in place or is there still anything in place with respect to small businesses and business owners in terms of trying to keep them open and, and uh, you know not having to close up permanently? I know that was a challenge in some of the other cities we talked to. Well, our Chamber of Commerce did an excellent job in, in assisting with the grants. They were real heroes there. Uh, and a big shout out to the chamber there. The other thing that the other thing that happened was uh, we really tried to take care of our restaurants as far as the out, outdoor dining. We quickly approved outdoor dining for the restaurants. They took advantage of it. Some of them still have some legacy outdoor space. Yeah, uh, one of the urban city space brings me to something I want to talk about. So for those of you who aren't familiar with San Juan Capistrano, San Juan Capistrano is famous for several things, one of which being the mission, certainly, uh, but the other is uh, for its downtown area and all of the dining and what I'll call unique restaurants that uh, all have different themes and, and different looks and, and different feels and different kinds of foods. And it really is an attraction for people from all over. And it really has evolved over the years into a, a destination place that, that people from outside the city come to as well as people within the city. I mean, I think that the city itself has done an excellent job of trying to develop that area and, and have it evolve over time. You guys are continuing to work on it as well, right? With the parking and the streets and the trolley and all that other stuff. Oh, yeah. We've, our downtown has really taken off. You know, one of the things that was just it had been already been approved by the council before I was on, obviously, I think I was on the planning commission when I came through, was the, uh, was the uh, Verdugo Street improvements, which is Verdugo Street is the street that runs from Camino Capistrano down to the train station. We did some major improvements there, which were just finishing up when COVID hit and involved festival lighting and so on. Really did a pretty good job in improving that area. COVID hit and just about the time COVID finished, I think people reemerged and saw a bunch of amazing new restaurants down, that, down there to go with some of our really good legacy restaurants. We continue to, to work on downtown. The San Juan Capistrano I grew up with was kind of defined by three legacies when you looked at it. We've tried to maintain those legacies even while we've grown. You know, when I grew up here, San Juan Capistrano was obviously much smaller. It was, you know, maybe, I don't know, gosh, 12, 14,000. Really a bedroom community at the time. Yeah, it didn't have much of a downtown. But it had a, but it had something of a downtown. It wasn't, it wasn't quite Laguna Niguel. It was an organic community in that it, it always existed as an entity unto itself, just because of the mission. And uh, it wasn't a planned community. And it always had the the ranching and the equestrian and a component that other Orange County communities really just didn't share. And the other thing it had, of course, was the history. 
those are kind of the three things that we've tried to maintain as we've grown around it is the is the the downtown feel the in other words we're a real small town the equestrian and ranching heritage and the history component and i think we've done a pretty good job of maintaining those three that three-legged stool of san juan capistrano as it were and i think a fourth would be the swallows right and for those who are not familiar with the city and the history of san juan capistrano i mean it did change hands back and forth between mexico and california and uh the mission in and out of favor and and desire depending upon who was controlling the land but really one of the few places in orange county uh dating all the way back to i mean it's it's like the early 1800s if i was correct about it right the mission is a 1776 yeah so i mean that's Told. And so uh, it really is a unique place. And in, in terms of the city, it really has grown because really now uh, all of South Orange County, as it has grown and as the population in general in Orange County has grown, and as other areas like Irvine, Newport Beach, Huntington Beach have really you know grown and either run out of land or have limited housing, people look elsewhere. And South Orange County in general is really become a much more desirable place to live and then as people live there uh, they have a tendency to try and have their businesses closer to home or nowadays are working from home and so the community itself continues to grow i guess is what i'm saying yeah no longer can we hide true so good good and bad for that right i mean obviously if we tie it back into the real estate the property values in in san juan capistrano have gone up dramatically at the same time you have a bigger population that you have to deal with which comes with traffic and schools and other things yeah, amazingly enough, Samuel Capistrano, I think, has a dozen schools within our small city border, most of them private. Uh, and that really contributes to our traffic issues, as you can imagine, in the mid-afternoon. We really have, I think, managed the growth in a, in a way that caters to a multi-ethnic and diverse population, both from, a, from an econ- economic standpoint and from an ethnic standpoint. When you look at San Juan Capistrano, we have mansions on Pepper Tree Bend, and we have affordable housing or low-income housing, the villas in San Juan, uh, Village San Juan, and, and some of these areas that where we have a multi-ethnic diverse population, which is really unique in South Orange County. Uh, we're not Newport Beach or, or some of these cities that are just like huge economic juggernaut. We really do cater to the full spectrum of economic needs here in San Juan Capistrano. And that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. I mean, from your own perspective and then the others on the city council, is the MO going forward to keep that vibe, if you will, so to continue to refine and evolve the downtown, but at the same time, keep the bedroom community feel, keep the open spaces and really make that the attractiveness of the city as opposed to trying to build it out? I'd sure like to. I mean, one of the challenges, as you're probably aware, is some of the state laws make it real challenging. Yes. You know, I, I don't want to get into state politics too much, but just say that as long as the CEQA requirements exist on market rate housing, that's creating a bottleneck in the low-income housing market. People move into the affordable housing, and they can't move up because they can't take that next step because... Now, it costs $100,000 extra to build market rate housing because of the CEQA requirement. Well, and then also you have, and we've had other mayors on the show talk about it, you know, you have the whole spectrum, but if the state's requirement of the individual cities is to increase affordable housing to deal with the housing crisis in general that's going on, 
then it forces cities to maybe build things or do things that are not in sync with what the market is, and it's not driven by the market. So you have two different things, in my opinion, going on. You have the state driving housing. They want affordable housing, and rather than leaving it to the market, they're trying to dictate. And then the flip side of that is when you leave it to the market, it becomes unaffordable to many. You have two things going on, and then you have, uh, while the economy has had uh, struggles and the real estate market has had struggles, you really haven't seen a drop dramatically in the pricing of either rentals or apartments or so much on, you know, on the prices of the homes. No, I, I was just looking at some of the prices and, you know, my neighborhood, as you can imagine, being a retired naval officer, I, I'm not exactly one of the wealthier residents in San Juan Capistrano. That's just not how our retirement program is structured. Yeah, we live comfortably. The amount that our property is appreciating just on a yearly basis is insane here. I don't know how people can afford to live here as middle class teachers, firemen. And that seems to be an ongoing theme with a lot of the cities that you have to have workers, whether it's restaurant workers or landscapers or other jobs that are lower end to middle uh, tier jobs. And if those people can't afford to live in the city, they will have to live elsewhere and then commute, which then, you know, adds to the traffic. And then you're not really building a, a full tier out in the city. And I'm not sure that that one's solved in a day or a year or even a decade. It's just an ongoing thing. But uh, there's a house on my street. I talked to the broker who has it last night. And I said, hey, he said, why are you interested? I said, no, I already have a house on the street. <laughs> he said, well, do you know anybody who'd want to buy it? I said, I don't know. I'll let you know what's the price he tells me. And I said, but it just sold two years before for half of that. He said, I know the market's hot. Let me tell you another all out of that. And it hit home to me this last February. We had a deputy here named Paul Haney. He was coming off of baby leave. And he is his first first shift back serving our community. And he had uh, was driving home to his home in, in uh, Temecula, that area, because he couldn't afford to live here. About six in the morning, I got the phone call from my city manager. And he made it to about a mile from home, fell asleep at the wheel. Oh, jeez and crashed into a tree and never saw his one-month-old son again. So that little boy's going to grow up without his father. Yeah, and that's just a terrible story. And, um, you know, there are plenty of people that not only drive long distances, but then you're also stuck in the traffic on top of it. And so it's just sort of a double whammy. And unless you want to learn another language in the car, you're wasting a lot of time in your day. And, and, and that gets back to, again, ongoing theme we've talked about with a number of folks on the show, which is then that forces workers to want to work closer to home. So then they either quit their job or look for a new job in a different location, which then puts more pressure on employers in Orange County to hire good talent. So unless you're hiring very high-end talent, if you are hiring those other middle uh, and lower tier workers, it becomes a real challenge. Yeah, yeah. and you know, we've seen uh, some transform transformation to uh, work at home environment. You know, we're also seeing, quite honestly, the studies are proving that as much as we'd like to believe it, that that's not as not as conducive towards productivity as working from an office. Yeah, and this is not the Midwest where you get a basement and a front yard and a big backyard and you can run around and you have a bunch of open space. You're lucky if you've got a tiny yard or a patio or a balcony in many instances. And so while as much as it's open space and it's outside, it's not the same. 
we talked to uh, a number of business owners, and in fact, uh, in our building in San Juan Capistrano, I've spoken to a number of them, and they're still struggling to try and get back to convincing people to come back full time. You've got some people that are just convinced they don't want to do it, and then you've got other businesses that are like, I don't, I don't really care as long as you get the work done. But you lose, in my opinion, as a business owner, you lose the synergy along the way. People need the interaction, and depending upon what business you're in, some can get away with it. Others, I think, in real estate, cannot. It's a people business, and so you got to get the people involved and that's an ongoing issue that evolves here very much so and so what do you see for san juan capistrano going forward into the future uh, uh obviously a lot of things going on in the world good bad war supply chain interest rate election coming up all kinds of fun stuff how does san juan capistrano go along with the rest of what's going on in the world or is it on its own sort of pace uh, separate from other things around it yeah, you, you can't predict what you can't predict, of course. But San Juan Capistrano, look, we, we look, our future looks very healthy. I just cut the ribbon last week on the new Ganol lumber here in downtown, or not downtown, but on the edge of town, I should say. It's uh, going to be our probably our second highest revenue generator in the city. It's going to be a huge lumber retailer. I think we're calling it the Taj Ganol, 17 acres of what was RDA property, Redevelopment Agency property, right along the creek bed there uh, was unused real estate. We're looking at the possibility, uh, we've seen a proposal now for a uh, performing arts center in the downtown area right behind the stage in the historic town center park. That's still a little ways uh, away from being approved, but uh, it looks promising, and I know that they have a 501c3 raising money for that. That looks really cool. The River Street Marketplace, which is going to be an agrarian-themed marketplace, is opened up off the old Edo uh, nursery property off of uh, Paseo Adelanto. Right. And that's going to be a really cool-looking, a lot of retail and uh, restaurants there, kind of all park and walk through I, I think just a great place to spend some time when you put that on one end of our downtown and the inn at the mission at the other end of our downtown i think it just kind of connects everything together where we're going to have a real walkable and enjoyable experience for people to come visit spend a whole day really in san juan capistrano and one of the things i'm going to ask you about our producer paul wanted me to hit you up about parking right so parking is an issue everywhere and i know you guys have done uh, a good job down there of creating more parking so that people can get there they can park and then they can get out and walk around what is the game plan or is there is there more phases in terms of just creating some more centralized parking in the downtown area Parking is a real challenge, and you know that's one of the challenges when you don't have a planned community. Is you you have to kind of plan as you go. You're building the airplane as you're flying it. We do have a new parking structure coming in in, in, in the downtown area. You know nobody likes parking structures until you're looking for a place to park. So we do have a parking structure coming in probably in the next couple of years. We've also uh, built new parking, free parking off of uh, Ramos Street, which is in our Los Rios district. Which is kind of nice because it does get people walking through Los Rios and, and, and through our area here. And so that provides uh, an opportunity for, for people to see our, our historic areas they, uh, as they walk to the downtown area. The other thing we've done is, is with mixed reviews from the locals, we've in, implemented paid parking. And the reason for that was not to generate revenue, 
but quite honestly, because we had employees at some of these businesses who were who were monopolizing the spaces for long periods of time while they were working, monopolizing the premium spaces. And so the uh, business owners and property owners came to us and said, can we do the paid parking in, in the, some of these premium spaces? And so we've done that and allowed the owners to do that. And so we've kind of got the free parking on the periphery and the paid parking in downtown to allow the shoppers and the diners to to use those spaces that makes and sense then park on the periphery so it sounds like uh, i don't want to put words in your mouth but for san juan capistrano the future is bright the future is positive and it's a slow growth and a managed growth and a designed growth i guess i'll i'll call it well we're trying to keep it you know we're trying to keep it managed you know i think this state would probably like us to grow faster and many of our residents would like us to not grow at all right that's neither is probably realistic for our community thanks for a fun city council meeting sometimes it does you know that's part of our job is to communicate with our residents uh let them know what the state's trying to force down our throat quite honestly and also try to push back where we can on the state at times one of the things we're really intent on doing is preserving some of our open spaces. And to that end, what we've done is we've taken three of our open spaces, which we had voted on by bonds, and we've signed long-term leases for those because we don't trust that the state won't eventually target locally voted on referendums. Well, that's interesting. So so you do the long-term lease with a third party, and then basically the property's encumbered. And so if the state came along and said, we want you to do something with it, you'd be like, I can't. That's right. Makes sense. Strategy. Yeah. Well, look, I, I said it would go quick. It always does. Uh, we could probably chat much longer and, and talk about all kinds of fun stuff. But we are unfortunately out of time. I really appreciate uh, all uh, the input and the insight for the city of San Juan Capistrano, for the viewers and the listeners out there that have not been either recently or at all to San Juan Capistrano. Please go. It's a great place. You got the mission, you got good dining, and uh, it's a great community to see and experience. And um, Howard, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your thoughts with us. Uh, on behalf of everybody out there, appreciate all the service to the country and keeping us safe and staying on the cutting edge of technology and all you're doing for the city of uh, San Juan Capistrano. So much continued success to you, your family, and to the city of San Juan Capistrano, and, and glad to have you on with us. Thank you, and happy birthday again, Barry's mom. Yes, and so that is all the time we have for today. I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company. I want to thank uh, again to the whole crew here at OC Talk Radio and all of our producers and everybody that's involved with making this show happen again. We will see you back here next Tuesday on Let's Talk Real Estate. Thanks for tuning in. have it you've been listening to let's talk real estate your weekly bs with barry saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in southern california on orange county's only community radio station oc talk radio streaming live from our studio here at the university of california irvine's beal applied innovation center